Hello and welcome to a new series on the Bottom Bins podcast. This is Team Talk. It's going to be hosted by me, Connor, and I'm going to be taking this series to talk to fans of clubs that we maybe don't get to speak to on a regular basis on the Bottom Bins podcast. So our special guest today for our first episode is my brother, Ashin, who has been very eager to come on. Ashin, how are you? Good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Listen, thanks very much for jumping on and, and jumping on to our first episode of Team Talk. No worries, I'm excited, I'm excited. So, do you want to tell the people at home then, what team, what what club do you support then? The mighty Tottenham Hotspurs. The mighty Tottenham Hotspurs. I suppose it's probably no surprise to the people at home, I do talk about Spurs a lot, and I do talk about your opinions on Spurs a lot. So, Ashna, I think first off, we'll just talk about the current situation of Spurs at the minute. Look, sixth in the league... Were you were in the top four there for for quite a while, but so far Newcastle, Newcastle, and and obviously my Manchester United have managed to to push Spurs out of those positions. How are you feeling at the minute as a Spurs fan, and and where do you think the club need to improve? It's a difficult question. I'm I'm asked it sort of quite often, even when I'm standing around working stuff, because I think Tottenham are a, a talked about team quite often. I think we've actually just slipped around fifth there. I think without win over Fulham, but. I mean, even at that, I think we're six or seven points outside the top four, and I'm pretty sure United and Newcastle both have a game in hand. So it's a tough situation. It's like there's plenty of Conte in, there's plenty of Conte out. I believe that it, I, I am Conte in, to be honest. I just think I just think that we need... It's not even more backing from like the club. I like Conte got a lot in the summer to help improve the team. Mm-hmm. which I think is good, but like at the same time, we, we only improve to like a certain level, whereas the teams that were already level above us are upgrading to go to a higher level, so we're always behind, whereas I feel like Tottenham never go, like they always go for that decent player or someone who might be good in the future, whereas they don't go for that established world-class sort of player, you know? And do you feel like, though, I, I completely understand what you're saying about, you know, not being able to, to buy world-class talent, but do you think that's just because maybe world-class talent doesn't want to go to Tottenham? Or do you think that there is maybe just not enough financial incentive from the club to attract these world-class players? I, I definitely think it comes from a financial side of it. Like, I understand people can say, oh, you splashed £60 million on Richarlison and he hasn't scored and stuff. Which again, he he's a player that's been riddled with injury, so I'm not going to talk about too much with him because I still think he will be a good player for Spurs. But I just, it's always like you get that one. Like if we need about three, three signings to cover the cracks in our team, it's like we always only sign maybe one, and then like Lavi is like, oh, we splashed money on him, so you should be happy. Whereas like other top four teams, even. At the minute, it's like the top 10 teams in the Premier League have no problem with splashing any sort of money, whereas Levy is just so tight. If he just sees a cheaper alternative who isn't as half as good as a player, he just goes for it. And I suppose then, obviously, look, as a supporter, that must be ultimately very, very frustrating when, when you see big names linked to Spurs. But like, say, Ashin, you know, you see a big name linked to Tottenham. Do you always just sort of think to yourself, well, that'll not happen because realistically, we're not going to fork out that kind of money for that player? I think the one transfer that summed it up, that sums up Spurs that we never got done was Dybala. He had agreed yes. personal terms. We had agreed a fee. 
And although I do agree that it was rid- ridiculous to pay an extra, I think it was eight million euros at the time on top of everything else for his like image rights. And I, I still think that's ridiculous. But at the same time, when you're getting a player of that caliber who is willing to come to improve Spurs, pushing through the Champions League with an unbelievable stadium, and Danny Levy just dropped all talks like that. I feel like that's a player that maybe could have maybe pushed us on to win the Champions League the year we were beating the final and stuff. Like I feel yeah. like he's a game changer, and that's the sort of players that I think Tottenham need. We do develop some players to be like that, for example, like Son in, in years past or whatever. But at the same time, we don't we don't sign that big name, and that big name is always going to take us to the next step. And I think that's why we're always a level behind every single team every year. Well, look, you've just mentioned Hyunmin Son there. Obviously, he's not having as great a season. Do you feel like maybe the football that Spurs are playing is actually hindering some of these players? Because if I can remember Oshin Wankante first come in, Spurs actually did play some very expansive attacking football. And it was strange to see a Conte side play like that. Whereas this season, he seems to have reverted back to his sort of defensive, rigid structure. And there's not much expressive attacking football. Do you feel like players like Son now have come at that sort of hindrance to that style of football? I think so. I do feel like you did say there when when Conte first came in, we were like attacking and like me and you spoke about it, and even me and the boys were all speaking like, "Geez, it's not it's not like Conte to sort of play this football." I don't know if a whole pile has changed in the last years in his playing style. I just think we're really. I think the team is hindered by some of the players in it though as well, because I feel like if we had, like I love Romero, I think he's our best defender. But I do not like any of any other of our centre backs. None of them are comfortable on the ball. None of them can really pass, and none of them can really defend. So I feel like the team has to pick up a lot of slack to drop back. Whereas, like, I, like Conte at every time he's been at, like every centre back could bring the ball up past the halfway line themselves, no problem. Whereas our centre backs can't get out of their own box to dribble past at one player. So I feel like yes. the whole team this season, especially. I feel like the Premier League, most teams have be- have become more modern and attacking, which is good for other teams. But for the likes of Spurs, like the teams like last year, like Bournemouth, that we could have just played so high against and just bombarded, like teams like them have become slightly more confident and a better team on the ball. So the higher they push up, us up, I feel like the deeper, like the likes of Son and even Kulisevsky, you see him around the box sometimes, they have to defend more. And I mean, Son's confidence is completely gone as well because when he gets the ball, he looks scared. When he gets the ball around the box, he can't shoot. But I do feel that sort of having to drop back nearly to a left wing back role has definitely hindered like the, the likes of him who who likes to sit around the halfway line and make them burst and runs. You know. Yes. No. Completely agreed. Look on on. I, I can't remember whether it was last week's episode or the episode before. Um. I think it might have been for the Arsenal game we were saying this. Um, I felt like the the five at the back formation was a formation that teams were maybe trying to move away from now in this new sort of era of football. It seems as though, you know, five at the back was very popular, you know, about five years ago, whereas now I think teams are trying to move away from it. And now you have a manager who is obviously very stuck in his ways, very rigid, likes likes to play five at the back. And look, it's been successful for him in the past, but I just feel like... Um, Tottenham don't have that calibre of player to play five at the back particularly well at the minute because like you were saying there, other than Romero, Spurs' centre-back options aren't great at the minute. Um, 
And then obviously, you know, they're in the market at the minute for a right wing back. Looks like Pedro Porro is going to get done. But the thing that I find with Tottenham most ashing this year is just that they're getting killed in midfield. If it were up to you, would you switch from the five at the back? Do you feel like that would get more out of Tottenham's midfield? I At the minute, I would definitely change to a four at the back because the five hasn't been working. Although, if we get Porro, which it, we should do, I definitely... I agree with what you're saying. I don't think we have the calibre of player to play a five at the back, but I I would actually rather play a five at the back, but that would mean having like another two centre backs that I would love to have who aren't in our club at the minute, you know. Yeah. Like I definitely feel right, Persich is aging a bit, but definitely has still good quality on the ball. Um if we get Poro, I think he is an absolute magician. Like I think he is perfect for Spurs. The problem is then the centre backs. So I don't know why Conte in the last month hasn't tried a four at the back because although I do slate Emerson Royale when he's bombing up the pitch, even the likes of Fulham the other night, he was actually so, so good at defending. I feel like definitely he could do a job in a four at the back. Uh, not long-term maybe with Poro coming in, but I mean, if you were playing the four at the back, I still feel like we could have a sort of half-solid defensive back forward that we could add another body in the midfield like you're saying yeah to improve the whole team but definitely i do agree with what you're saying we don't have the caliber of player at the minute to be playing a five at the back so i would have liked to have seen a four come in but especially with poro hopefully coming in this week i definitely would stick with a five because he, that's he his preferred position is a right wing back because he is very attacking but I mean, I think it's just long term looking at the summer. You need another. We need another two or three centre backs in if we wanna play contest style to a T. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, look, Spurs have always been linked with sort of good centre backs, and you know, you you were blessed to get to see Alderweireld Elton Vertonghen yeah. for a long time. Obviously, probably two of the best defenders the Premier League era has seen. Um, look, if if you could go out tomorrow, Ashing and sign an ideal centre back, what one that you feel is achievable for Spurs? Who who crops up to up up to mind when you think of those centre backs that could come and play for Tottenham Hotspur? Uh, Dav Bastoni, Bastoni from Inter Milan. I think we were heavily heavily linked with him in the summer. I think he said he was happy enough to stay at Inter. He'd see what the sort of situation is with his contract. Then again, it was one of them weird ones where Inter were desperate to keep him, but he's played little to like none games this year compared to last year. So. I just find it strange that they were so desperate to keep him, but he's been like in and out of the team a lot this season. Yeah. I, I feel like, again, I've, I've only watched a few sort of inter games from the Champions League and stuff. And again, there's always the highlight reels going around when the player's looking, or you're looking at a player to sign for your team. But he is that left-sided centre-back. I think he's very similar to Vertonghen, which, I mean, you mentioned Vertonghen and Alderweireld. I generally think of it for Tongan and Alderfield right now would be at and their prime would be sort of competing for the league if we were playing the five at the back because two very good solid defenders who are also very comfortable on the ball. I think I think the main thing with contest system is the need to be comfortable on the ball. Even at that Romero isn't that great in the ball, but he's so solid defensively, he makes up for it. But I really think I'm not sort of going after Inter here as well, but again, I see Skriniar, like his 
contracts up in the summer, that centre, centre-back role, he's a pure leader, he's an absolute hard man, like I think he would be perfect to slot in for us as well and really yeah. sort of step up our defence for us, but I would say definitely between Skriniar and Bastoni. Yeah, I think they would both be sort of achievable options for Tottenham. The only thing I would say about Skriniar is I think he's probably more likely to end up at PSG. Yeah. Um, it, it just seems to be heading that way at the minute. And as you mentioned with Pedro Porro, I think if Porro does come in, Spurs are sort of committing to a five at the back then because mm-hmm. Porro can't play in a back four. He can only play in a back five. Yeah. Um, that's why City ultimately had to, had, to, had to move him on. So I think if they do get Porro, that's them committing to that back five. But look, a lot of talk at the minute, Ashin, about you know Conte's sort of current contract situation. You're obviously Conte in. You want him to stay on, but are are you confident that he's going to commit his future to Spurs? Or look, Connor Dorman on the Bottom Bins podcast here. You know, a couple of weeks ago, he said Conte looks like he doesn't want to be there, and yeah. this is just him seeing out a season before he gets a bigger job. What what would your response be to something like that? It's so difficult. You know, you know, you know when you just want to have a proper conversation with the manager himself. Yeah, it's like I just want to talk to him because there's so much controversial stuff on Twitter every day. Like about a week and a half ago, it was like, "Oh, Conte is that?" Da- well, no, it was about a week ago actually. It was like Conte is definitely going. He might even stay there in the season. Oh, it's not working. This, that, and the other. And then you sort of, yeah, we beat Fulham. You could see the passion he was showing. He looked sort of, he looked happier in the role then it come out that the Spurs players after the Man City loss had a massive meeting and it was basically Conte let everything out that he wanted to players were letting out everything they wanted to what was going wrong what was going well what they need to do and I mean usually you would expect a hammer Fulham but like Fulham have been a very strong side this year you know yourself like I feel like a 1-0 win and it was a strong win away to Fulham at this sort of stage of the season the, the way they were playing I thought was a big result for us especially after two really disappointing results and I mean in the interviews uh, post-match and stuff like Conte was saying he's it's such an honour to be Tottenham manager and he's so happy and stuff like it, it is so hard to know because so many journalists just put out so much opposing stuff I definitely do think the first few weeks of the January window there he wasn't happy because I would assume that he had his transfer targets set out and he put them forward to the club. And for like three weeks there, there was no movement whatsoever. Um, But I mean, he's got Dan Juma in there as well. I'm really excited about that transfer, to be honest. Like, I know people are saying, oh, he's going to sign for Everton. He's not that great and whatever else. I think he's a really good player and I think he will do well for Spurs. Might not necessarily start straight away, but the likes of Son and stuff in bad form there, like, why not throw him in? Give him a chance. Uh, if we get poor overline again, that's massive. Uh, I th- I feel like if if he got w- another centre back, even I think long term we obviously we're looking a new keeper in the summer, at hopefully another centre back and possibly an attacking midfielder. If he got one of them three as well as Poro at the end of this window, I'd say he'd be happy because it does put us in a strong position to still finish in around the top four. And like you say, we're still in the FA Cup, we're still in the Champions League, and. Again, AC Milan aren't playing that well. They just got hammered 4 0 by Lazio there the other night. Like, Ike yep. Manion is out injured. Tamori had to go off after 20 minutes injured the other night. Apparently, he's like tore his thigh muscle. So, like, it's looking good for us at the minute going forward, as in a couple of new faces in, still in a couple of competitions, and we're still in and around the top four. So, I, I think it is a situation of you really, it will be an assessment at the end of the season to see exactly where we've got to. 
I do feel like if we go far and in either of the cups and we finish in the top four, I still feel like it could maybe extend it by another maybe two years or so because it keeps talking about a long term project. With other clubs, he usually doesn't talk like that. But I know, I mean, it's just it's just talk we're listening to. You can't really sort of vouch for that, you know. Well, that's it. Like you know, actions do speak louder than words, and it's just you know, so far from an outside perspective, you know, not being a Tottenham fan, it does just look like he's doing a lot of talking, and there's not a lot of concrete action behind it. Mm-hmm. I feel like if he was that concerned about it, he would have signed a contract at this yeah. stage. But you know, moving on from Conte, then look, there's been a lot of rumours asking these last couple of weeks, and and I know obviously when you lose to Arsenal and lose to Man City, this sort of talk is going to creep up. Harry Kane and, and his future at Tottenham. Look, he's he has been one of the world's best strikers now for nine years. From he burst onto the scene, he's done nothing but but score goals for Tottenham. Mm-hmm. But it does seem now like the talk of a move is looking more concrete than it ever has. Now I know a couple of days ago David Ornstein reported that uh, Kane was more open to signing a contract at Tottenham. But mm-hmm. look, obviously, the two questions I want to ask is. How vital is Kane to Tottenham? And number two, do in your honest opinion, is he going to stay on past this season? Right. In right, Kane. Right. I think. Yeah, there's people like you who highly rate him, right? But there's so many people that slate him that I I think Kane is one of the most underrated football players in the world. And some people might sit there who do rate him highly, going, "No, everyone loves him. Everyone thinks he." So many opposition fans, so many opposite, like everything I read on Twitter, even my friends, well, like the all say he's overrated and all. You're asking how vital he is. I'm being serious. If Kane left us and we went on next season, I don't care who we signed or who comes in, we would not get a European spot. And I don't mean Champions League, I mean any European spot. That's how vital Kane is to us. We have been so poor throughout this season. And Kane has 15 or 16 goals in the league. I think I read a stat the other day that like nearly over half of them have been match winning goals. So if you take them out with the bad enough season we're having already, we would not even be near the top 10. Everyone's laughing at Liverpool and Chelsea. They would be laughing at Spurs because they'd be down near where Everton is probably. I just, he is so, like we, we could not replace Kane whatsoever. Like it doesn't matter if you go and spend 150 million on a few players. Like again, Richarlison, I still think he's a good footballer. He'll be in around the front three. He's good for rotation. If he gets a bit of good form, you'll be starting him and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're, if you go from Kane to Richarlison in a season, that it's I don't think that's good. Um, yeah, you're asking if I think he'll stay when the leak when not the leaks as such when the links come out about a week two weeks ago that. You know yourself, you've seen it every day. United are looking at him, someone's looking at him. He's more open to leaving and stuff. I was generally scared. I was like, this is the end. Like, I never thought this day would come. Like, I thought that man would die still wearing a Spurs shirt trying to play for him. Like, I just <laughs> couldn't see him ever leaving. And I was scared. And then I suppose when Ornstein did tweet that he was open, I sort of thought, you know what? I'm just going to have to take it as it comes because... I can't think too much about it now because no one knows really what will happen because he'll, he's going to finish the season out regardless and there'll not be another word really about it probably. Yeah. It's more, I'm sort of dreading the summer to see what happens unless he sign, unless between now and the summer he signs a contract, I am sort of on edge. 
But deep down, deep, really deep down, I can't see him leaving. But I don't know if that's just me not wanting him to leave, you know? Yeah. I do, Jen. I think he's had so much opportunities to leave and he's never left us yet. I just think now he's getting to that stage of his career. And yes, Evan will talk about the trophies, this, that and the other. I, st- I still think, yes, he's just matched the, the Spurs all-time scoring record. He's going to want to beat Alan Shearer's Premier League record as well. I, I feel like deep in his heart, he will want to do it with Spurs, even though there might be pulls elsewhere. Yes. But I, I always just relay it back to City. He, if he didn't go to City that time, and I know Levy was asking for crazy money and stuff, but he basically, like <laughs> near enough, handed in a transfer request without physically doing it. And he still didn't get his move. So I just thought that if he was to ever go, it would have been then. And it never happened. So I'm just sort of grasping the hope from that, that he doesn't leave. Yes. Well, see, that's the thing. I think with Keane, I I would agree with you. You know, I I could see him staying at Spurs. But I suppose it just depends on a number of factors. You know, it depends where Spurs finish this year. Um, Depends what their team's looking like, whether Conte is going to stay on. And then I think also, look, it's Man United who are his biggest suitors, really. Um. And I think if they if their ownership gets done and sorted then by the summertime, you know, maybe their owners are gonna want to make Kane the first like marquee signing. Yeah, yeah. As such. And I do think it comes down to those sort of factors. But I totally agree with you, Ashin. I think if Spurs have any aspiration of, of of being back as one of the most exciting teams in the league and consistently getting in the Champions League, like they they have to hold on to Harry Kane. It's as simple as that. Because I think Sun's proven it this year that he can't really pick up the load when Kane's yeah. not there. So to not have Kane would be completely detrimental to, to Tottenham. See, just quickly on that, see, um, I was going to say, see if Kane, like, hinted that he wanted to leave, said he wanted to leave, or basically, like, went to the board and was like, oh, I wouldn't get Champions League. I didn't get Champions League. Um, oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I just said it was reconnecting there. If I was, I was going to say, if Kane said he was to leave or hinted at it, Conte would go as well. But I mean, it could be a case of Conte leaves before Kane, or Conte might sign a contract first and then Kane might be like, okay, Conte stay and I might stay. I still yeah. I think it does come down to them too as well. I know you're talking about outside, like United and owners and stuff. It's, uh, that definitely will have an influence. But it's like, I think if Kane stays, Conte stays. And then I think if Conte says he's staying, Kane will stay, you know. So yes. It is difficult, but we'll see what happens. Well, look, I think that'll do it for Spurs' current um, current situation. So, look, Oshin, where do you see, I, I, you know, realistically for yourself and, 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 and for other Spurs fans out there, where do you see the club in five years' time now? <sighs> it's a tough question because we are in a bit of a sticky situation at the minute. I mean, this past week has there's been a wee bit more life about the club with Dan Juma and getting back to winning ways at Fulham. Sort of, you see poor O'Neill Don stuff and you're thinking, right, if you asked me this question two weeks ago, I, I probably would have told you it would be relegated or something. But <laughs> I, think, I think there's definitely a wee bit more hope now. A couple of fresh faces in the door. Just try and keep building that Fulham win. I know with pressing at the weekend in the Cup, I mean, we should win, see what happens. But with City again the following weekend, and I think the made mugs of us beat, coming back from 2-0 down to beat us 4-2, I think that'll be a real statement match. 
it'll be like, oh, if we get beat, it'll be oh, the same old Spurs. But if we really dig down and get a good sort of win out of it, I, I think we might push on from that. Yes. But I think that game is crucial, and it is at home and stuff. So um, I actually am looking forward to it, but I think yeah, it's a, it's a crucial match. Five years ahead, I definitely still see us in a strong position. I think that the club has done too much with the pitch, the facilities. Again, I think we're I think we're always and have been the last few years an attractive club to players. Not maybe not as attractive as your United, Liverpool, Chelsea, the the teams who have been big for so long, the teams who have so much money and whatever else, would will never have that pull in in reality unless we go and win about five leagues in a row, which isn't going to happen. I can't sit and say to you now, oh, we'll win a cup in five years. I really want to say we will, but it's Tottenham, so I mean, there's no point sitting saying here, oh, we'll definitely win something. I still think we will be a competitive club. I still think every year we will be in and around the Champions League spots and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just I don't see us really getting to that next step of winning a league or like winning the Champions League or nothing. That's not to say they're not be a EFA Cup victory or nothing in between. But like I said, I know we've moved away from the short term, but looking short term slash long term, it's like if Kane stays, five years will be massively different. If Kane goes, if Conte goes soon in five years we could look so different but my five year sort of answer is definitely a competitive club but I, I don't see us in round first or second to be honest like I think every other club are improving so well like you're a United fan you know yourself this season you have sort of looked at a completely different team for since you having years like since I can remember mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. like United are, are getting back to that United team City are strong I mean <laughs> Liverpool and Chelsea, for their squads, should be far higher up. So I don't know what's going to happen with them. But like you see Newcastle, you see Brighton even now. Like then teams are going to be knocking around the Champions League for the next few years. I think so. Yeah. Sort of have to. It'll, it'll definitely be a situation of how well we advance ourselves in comparison to other clubs because other clubs are really trying to match that top sort of top half for the Premier League mentality. Like. Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair enough. And uh, who is your favourite ever Tottenham player and why? Uh, it, it's all, it's been between two. And like, I'll say it now straight up. I'll probably go for Kane. And you know how much I adore Kane. Like, he's just, I, I couldn't ask for a better player for our club. I wouldn't trade him for yeah. any player in the world. And I genuinely mean that. Like, I wouldn't. Um. And I think the way fun fact that me and you always talk about, my first ever, I know you're going to get on to that, but my first ever Spurs match was away in the Europa League qualifiers to Shamrock Rovers in Dublin. Uh-huh. And I think we won 7-1. It was a hammering session. It could be 6 or 7-1. And Kane, come on, for Defoe. And me and Da were sitting going, who's this boy, Kane? And he, a corner came in and he scored his first goal for his first ever touch for Spurs. And... At that stage, I didn't really know him, and he went out and loaned a few times. But as, as I got older and sort of got more into Spurs, I watched him break out from the very first kick of a ball to breaking into the first team under like Sherwood and stuff. So, I think pure memory wise and stuff, I have to go for Kane, and he's just given me so much joy. But 
if there was always one that I, I did absolutely love as much as Kane, but they weren't around as much, again, you know yourself, it's Gareth Bale. Yeah. I absolutely loved him. Every time he touched the ball, I got excited. I just wish, wish Spurs were more competitive at the time to hold on to him for another few seasons just to see how he would have even played in the Premier League, you know, developing to that elite player. Mm-hmm. I, well, I, I think he probably would have been the best player in the Premier League if he had stayed yeah. another couple of seasons. Like, those are the seasons that Sanchez and uh, Hazard, like, sort of lit the Premier League yeah. alight. But, I, like, I think Bale would have completely overshadowed yeah. the two of them. He, he would have easily have been the best player in the Premier League. Yeah. Actually, you've got to see some good players, you know, yeah. watching Spurs. You know, you've you've got to watch some some world-class talents. You've got to watch the likes of Luka Modric. Um even Dimitar Berbatov, I know obviously he went to Man United, but yeah. and Jermaine Defoe, obviously one of the most clinical strikers in Premier League history. Um, so like, look, obviously taking aside from those two, like the obvious players like Kane and Bale, yeah. um, give, give me one other player that you've really enjoyed that maybe doesn't get enough respect on his name, but that you think has been a cracking player at his time at Spurs. Uh, again, it's one you'll see on Twitter quite often when Spurs players talk about him. And I, d- I don't think we had replaced him until sort of Benton Kerr broke out for us. Yeah. It was Moussa Dembele. And yes. I mean, you, you'll see, you, I mean, you've watched videos about it and seen compilations and everything else. I you, you don't know what you have until they're gone, you know, that sort of a situation. Yeah. It was like the season we got to the Champions League final, uh, he left in January. And it was, it was a situation where he was injured and he came back too soon, he got injured again. Then he trained and trained and trained. So was sort of in around the team. Then he got injured again. And that was three times before Christmas. And I think it was just a sort of cash out situation because they thought he was sort of getting past the stage. Yes. If he was fit that season, I generally think we would have won the Champions League because in that Champions League final, the only thing we couldn't do was get the ball from midfield to attack. And yes. he was that perfect player. Um, another one who I mean I could talk about the likes of Ginola and stuff I didn't get seeing them much I seen clips I see Granda talking about them I see Dad talking about them unbelievable footballers but players I've watched um, again mightn't be the most elite player ever but one who always just played for the jersey was Danny Rose yes I loved what like that sort of three years or so with with Pochettino coming in when it was Walker and Rose on the wings like I just felt like we were prime Robertson and prime Alexander-Arnold when Liverpool were winning the league mm-hmm. them two just they just suited the system so so well I generally can't think back to like one game where I thought oh Danny Rose is shit or he's not performing he was like so Mr. Consistent for us until sort of the end of the Spurs career but that sort of four or five years that I got to watch him consistently week in, week out, he was a joy to watch as well. Like, Yeah, no, I, Danny Rose was definitely one of the better left-backs in the league for a good period of time, to be honest. Yeah. So, look, you did touch on it there when you talked about Kane a wee bit, but uh, what was the first time you ever seen uh, Spurs live, and, and what was it like to get to see your team play live for the first time? It was... Uh, I can't remember what age it was now. It was, I was a child. Like I could have been maybe like 10 or 11 even maybe younger, it was just one of them situations where, like, I supported Spurs, but I wasn't going and watching them every weekend. You know, at that age, you were sort of just checking scores, maybe, or, like, your like Dahl was, like, telling me the score, and uh, they got 
obviously pulled out against Shamrock Rovers down in Dublin. So me, uh, Da, Philip, Michael, Gareth, all just sort of headed down to Dublin. And I didn't, at the time, I still wasn't even, I sort of still remember to this day going down the road. I never really knew what to sort of imagine or think because I hadn't really been to like a bigger sort of football match before. Yep. And I remember coming into the stadium and Shamrock Rovers is a relatively small pitch and we were right in behind the goal. And I just remember, like, I couldn't tell you about the teams coming out or anything like that. I just remember the first goal going in, and I think it was Defoe that scored the first goal. And I just remember, like, the whole stand going mad. And I just sort of was looking around me thinking, this is absolutely wild. Like, you don't see this that often, you know. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when Kane scored that goal, because when I think when he came on the pitch, uh, I was like, who's this by some young lad? Because Kane might have only been like 17 or 18 at the time, like in around that age. And I, I just go, I bet you scoring now, I bet you scoring now, like as a joke, just with that. And the corner came in and he, he took, took the goal well. And then me and Dad were laughing and I was so happy. I just remember him scoring. And then for a few years after that, again, it was in and off, sort of on and off. So I just watching Spurs when I could. And so me and you watching match of the day, like every weekend. That was basically when I seen Spurs. Yeah. And then my first Premier League game then was against Watford and it was actually in Wembley. I didn't even get to White Hart Lane. So yes. the original at White Hart Lane, I was trying to go for a while, but never ended up getting. But anyway, went to Wembley and again, amazing stadium looking around me just like this is absolutely crazy. That was my first sort of time going to a game where there was like 60,000 plus sort of fans, you know. Yeah. atmosphere was amazing just couldn't get over it and would beat Watford I think 3-1 that night but I think Kane scored two that night no Kane scored Erickson scored and Dele Alli scored so I got to see three of my favourite ever players Um, again speaking of Erickson and Alli they were players I could have listed as my favourite ever maybe not there for a massive period of time well I suppose they were there for a good period of time as I was growing up but I think Yes, that Shamrock Rovers game was class, but I think going to that first ever Premier League game in Wembley, just that atmosphere was something that I'd never felt in my life. So I definitely would like memorize it more maybe than the Shamrock Rovers game, even though Kane got his first goal. It was just one of them things where you're just shocked by the noise even inside the stadium and stuff. Yeah, no, it's definitely a special experience going to see your team for the first ever time. So... Moving on from that, then Ashing. So that's the first time you've seen Spurs, and, and your favorite, and you know your favorite time seeing Spurs. But yeah. what's your best ever memory or your best ever moment as a as a Spurs fan? Then and look, it doesn't have to be seeing them live. It can be yeah. just something that the club had done or something that you've seen. Well, I suppose if the memory, so a memory sort of off the pitches and not players, was the first time ever. Well, I could say the first time ever approaching the new build uh, Spurs Stadium or, again, it was amazing walking up to it, the size of it, but the first sort of step, you t- the talk about it going up the steps, you know, and out on to look to uh, where your seat is. But that first time I took the steps up, I was actually in like the upper level, so I could see every single thing. And I just remember coming up over the steps and looking out and I, gen- I was absolutely gobsmacked like I, I generally didn't have words the first time i seen inside the new stadium it is just absolutely unbelievable like there's so many people that aren't spurs fans that i know have literally like went to the nfl games and all in it and every one of them have said like they have no affiliation or care about spurs whatsoever but they nearly got goosebumps actually looking at it at how amazing the setup was yeah 
So that memory of myself walking out there, I just felt like I was part of it. But then at the same time, if we're talking about a memory on the pitch, I have to go back to, it was the last season in White Hart Lane. We were, at, we were undefeated the whole season. Yes. And we went 1-0 down against Arsenal. Like, uh, Mesut Ozil scored against us. Um, I can't, I actually can't remember if it was Ali or Kane scored the first goal, but it went one each around the, I think it was maybe like the 58th minute, and literally about one minute and 30 seconds after the kickoff, long ball was put into the corner, and Ali chased it into the corner with Murdersacker, and I'm sure you remember the goal yourself, Ali backheeled it, and Kane yeah. had the mask on because he had broken his nose. Yeah. And Kane took it outside the box and curled it in far post to win the game 2-1. And I, I generally haven't screamed at a goal ever as hard in my life. Like it was the fact it was the North London derby. What it was the emotions of just going one 0 down about three minutes before that. It was the emotions of just equalising about three minutes later, and then Kane to score that outrageous goal. Him just sprinting to the corner and like ripping the mask off and throwing it and sliding it in. Like the, it, I don't. It just looked like the fans were about to jump onto the pitch. It was absolute scenes, and I definitely think. And again, you might think, oh, why is he not saying about Lucas Moore's semi-final goal? I am, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yes, unbelievable scenes. But the best, like, I don't feel like I've witnessed a better goal in, like, that moment than Kane's goal because the technique and stuff, like, <laughs> Lucas's goal was unbelievable, but it was so shit at the same time. <laughs> so we pay roller into the corner. Now, yes, the scenes were unreal there. The only problem is, if that was at home, I thought it would have been, like, a million times better. Whereas Keynes was at home in the derby, like the stadium was, the noise was unbelievable. But yes, clearly Lucas's goal to send us to the final, a hat-trick goal, like it was unbelievable. And that's a memory that will always be up around my first or second sort of. But I just think that that Keane goal was when I sort of really got into Spurs, you know, like I was watching them like religiously, like I could not miss a game, you know. Yeah. So I feel like that was the first time I was really, really, really into Tottenham. And then I'd obviously moved on from that. But, I mean, Kane's goal or Lucas's goal, they're both a throw-up of the absolute scenes. But I would take both of them. Like, Well, I think you could probably tell the viewers at home the funny story about Lucas's uh, goal because uh, our father <laughs> ruined that one for you, didn't he? So, as you do, saying I'm watching away a legal stream, it was about <laughs> a minute behind. So... Uh, da does this thing where when his phone bleeps a minute before the goal goes in, he decides to run into your room and absolutely spoil it for you every week. So <laughs> I'm casually sitting, I mean, on my knees, sitting up in the bed. Every nail chewed off me. I was sweating. And I think Ajax uh, actually won a free. They kicked it into the corner. And whatever, we get the ball up the pitch, but the ball went out. Someone kicked it out, don't know. So Onana sets the ball down for Ajax. Turns around and starts cleaning his boots and stuff. Um, and so I'm thinking, there's 30 seconds left of this game. He's just got a yellow card for time wasting. He's going to hoof it and the game's over. So I hear these thuds coming up the stairs and my dad bursts into the room screaming, Lucas, Lucas, going mad. And I stood up in the bed and I goes, get the fuck out of this room now. <laughs> I started going mad. And I goes, you're fucking, la- you're landing me, you're landing me. He started jumping and grabbing me, like pulling me off the bed going, Lucas, Lucas. And all. I was like, dad, it's a fucking, it's a goal kick for Ajax. Like, it's not a goal. I was like, get out. I'm actually so disappointed in you. So hoofs the ball out. So I see Sissoko getting the ball. I'm like, right, there's definitely not a goal if Sissoko's touching the ball here. Lumps the ball up. Laurentiff 
wins the ball to flick it down and Dele Alley puts it through and I'm just thinking this is the moment I'm standing on the bed screaming and the ball just rolls into the corner and I just jump on Dallas back and we're going mad in the room but I just did give him a mouthful after it as well and I told him <laughs> never to come into my room ever again when Spurs score <laughs> so that was brilliant oh look at a massive moment for Tottenham that one there to be fair yeah um, Oshin just in, in a general sense if you could sum it up why is it that you support Spurs? Like out of all, and the reason we're running this series is just because I'd like to get to speak to fans of clubs who maybe don't have a massive representation here in Ireland. So I just want to know, in your own words, why, why is it that you support Spurs? I think it it does go back to the whole family sort of thing. You know, you know yourself, Granda, uncles, dad, all of them support Spurs. So I mean, our family is majority Spurs. So I guess I was raised that side whereas you escape to the red side so (laughs) obviously I mean the most obvious answer is it comes from the family but the reason I think like I said to you before there was years maybe when I was a bit younger I wasn't watching them every single week and stuff and I just was like oh I am a Spurs fan I knew the players and stuff but I wasn't absolutely delved into it but like I said to you I think it was round and we had a few sort of shit managers before Pochettino, and I know Pochettino was recently enough. I did still love Spurs before Pochettino came in, but I think, I think at that stage of like, you know, when you're like in school and you're like 14, 15 and stuff, and every week you're like slagging your friends about who the support and stuff. Yeah. It was like that stage, I was getting slagged for supporting Spurs. A few of my mates are Arsenal fans. Then if Arsenal were beating them, they were slagging me. So I just sort of thought, you know, I'm going to get more into this. I'm going to learn more about Spurs, the history and all, and I'm going to be able to slag them. Not that there was much to, not much to help me because our history isn't great, but <laughs> it was this case of like that sort of stage of like that age I was at. It was like I looked forward to watching Spurs every week. There's Siri talking about. Um, Pochettino would come in. You know how much of an exciting team we were under Pochettino. Oh yeah, br- so brilliant. I think at the time where I really started to watch, sort of got into watching Spurs, it was that really exciting phase through Pochettino. So I think before that, when Tottenham were just like your ball standard mid table team, even though I was young that I couldn't watch every game, the pride weren't as exciting to watch. But when I really sort of got really into supporting Spurs and wanting to go to the stadium, wanting to go watch them and stuff. With, with Pochettino with our bringing that really sort of energised sort of style of football, I think, again, around school, I had I had good slags to slag people because we were winning a lot, we were beating teams. And I think, to be honest, I think Pochettino is probably one of the main reasons why I do support Tottenham to this day. Not now, like, oh, Pochettino's the saviour, but it was like, he brought Spurs to that next level, which of course made me more interested in them. I'm not saying I wouldn't have supported them now if the if they died off or anything, but I think it definitely helped that like he brought us around the Champions League. He brought us higher up the table. We were like there was years, yes, we might be bottle jobs, but we were up there fighting for league titles and stuff. And I think that got me more interested. So I'm not going to say Pochettino was the only reason, but I think it was just lucky at that time where I was, I was at that age where like you're constantly talking to your friends about football and stuff. So I was more interested in following them. And then again, I think the likes of Pochettino helped because we were such a young and exciting team. Like 
we were a team that was talked about for two or three years. We were one of the youngest in the league. We were always in around the top four. We were exciting. We were beating teams 6-0, 5-0 and stuff. So I definitely think from the family side of things, I was forced into it as a child. But as I got older, I just think maybe a couple of managers and players, like I said, Kane, Bale, Son, Ali, Erickson, all them really exciting players made me want to watch more, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. Look, Spurs were... Under Pochettino, Spurs were one of the best teams in the Premier League to watch. Attacking football-wise, yep. they were absolutely brilliant. So, completely yep. agree with you. Um, and then finally, Ashing, just to wrap this one up then. Um, if you were sitting chatting, I'm going to ask this of everybody. So, if you were in a scenario where you're you know, you're know, chatting to um, somebody who wants to start getting into football and they're, they're looking for a team to support and they come to speak to you about Spurs, what reason would, would you tell them to support Spurs and, and what is it that you would say to try and convince them to support Tottenham? I, that's a hard one as in there's plenty of teams that are maybe better than Spurs and maybe put more money into their team than Spurs and stuff. Going sort of off the pitch, I would say the Tottenham fans. And what I mean by that is genuinely, there's, I think there's very few teams in the league who have a better atmosphere than Spurs fans. Um, I mean, I haven't been doing away much, but hearing them on TV and stuff, and you hear pundits and stuff talking about them, and even like managers, like when we played City last week, Guardiola says he could only hear the Spurs fans. He never even heard the City fans. I think that the fan base is is an amazing sort of like thing to be a part of. I ha- I've never went to a match and been disappointed with the noise. You're always nearly deafened with the noise. Yeah, I definitely feel like the fans want the best for the team. They're always really looking to push players on, push the manager to better things, push the chairman to better things, or out of the club maybe for a bit of positivity. But yeah. yeah. I, th- I think it does come down to the fan base. Like like you said, I, I only have a, f- a handful of friends who are Spurs fans, if even. I-, I know how passionate they are, whereas like you get your like casual Liverpool fans and United fans. Like I know you're a diehard, I know some of your friends are diehards, but you get your usual, oh, I support United, they've a jersey from five years ago and they probably don't even know Ronaldo's fucking left them. Like, <laughs> But I do feel like it's like, Spurs isn't a club you can like sort of dip in and out of. It's like everyone is sort of committed and motivated for the club. So I, d- I definitely would feel like it's such a like welcoming fan base who really want better things and want better for the future for the club, you know? Aye, so it's more like a community than a fan yeah. base, really, more than anything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and look, obviously, I'll, I'll finish up with this, Ashin. Look, obviously, you know, when you were younger, ev- everybody is running around with, um, you know, Arsenal jerseys, Man United jerseys, Liverpool, Chelsea, and, and now Man City jerseys. Um, see a yeah. lot of kids, kids running around with Man City. Um, do you think Spurs could do anything better to try and pull... Um, you know, people that aren't from London into supporting the club. Like, do you find Spurs are a, a mainly um, a mainly London orientated supported football club, or have you started to notice that Spurs have become a wee bit more worldwide? I think, I think you would sort of edge towards the whole like London orientated thing. Although, I mean. I'm sure everyone, nearly everyone in the world knows this, with a massive fan base in, in South Korea because of Sun. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, going on that trip, the pre-season sort of trip there and stuff, that 
that helped us massively with like the increase of sort of fan base and stuff. Um, it's hard to know. I'm in a Dublin supporters group um, on Facebook, and it's really active. Like, there's thousands of members on it. Although I I can't find one Belfast or anything, or like, well, I was gonna say Armagh. It's small enough as it is. Yeah, I just thought Belfast one of the bigger places in uh, Northern Ireland. So I just. I can't seem to find any Facebook page for Belfast whatsoever. So I think that's slightly disappointing, you know, because I'm sure you could, I'm sure there's an Armagh, like United one, like, because there's that many United fans. So uh, I definitely feel like they could push it in other countries and stuff. I think that whole South Korea thing, like I said, that's massive for them. But um, the Dublin supporters group, like they have regular meetings and stuff and go and watch the games and all that sort of thing. But there's none of that whatsoever in Belfast. And anytime sorry you go to the matches like all the flags you see like there's like cypress spurs and toronto spurs like i you don't really see like a dublin spurs or anything like even though i've bumped into so many people like that i've been sitting beside at matches who are all from like dublin stuff just randomly but like yeah you don't really see that like drive for it for like from ireland and also from the club to ireland you know yeah so I, def- I definitely feel like there could be a push here now I'm not a genius. I wouldn't know what really what way to go about it as such, but I definitely do think that it does need to be sort of put around the world a bit more. But I, I definitely like in the see in the last year, see when you see like it's all about social media too. See when you see Instagram followers and TikTok and stuff. Yeah, Spurs have grown massively. Like they're they're up there in the Instagram followers, and I think they're one of the most followed teams on TikTok as well uh, as a soccer team. So I think we're like top ten and the most followed. So. Like, we're not an unknown team by any means. Like, lots of teams and lots of places, like, definitely know more about Spurs because of being in the Champions League in all the last few years. Whereas maybe years before that, they would have just thought, I think that's that way team from England or something, you know? Yeah. But I, like you said, I think if there was a bit more of a push around the world, I think it would definitely help uh, the fan base and stuff. Like, and look, obviously, they are your North London rivals, but I'm going to be asking everybody this question <laughs> on, on this series. Are they going to win the league, Ashley? This kills me. This kills me, and I hate you for asking, but yes, <laughs> I think they'll win the league. I, I just don't think there's a slip-up there, really. And, like, I think, not even if they slip-up, I think if they get, like, a wee shitty draw, they'll just bounce back the next week, to be honest. Unless, I think they still have to play City twice, and you're sure. They do. If City beat them twice, and you ask me that question again... I'd be like, mm, I don't know. But if you're asking me right now, currently, I'm going to have to say it. And my friends might laugh at me because I just always tell them how shit Arsenal are, even at <laughs> the top of the league. Yes, I think they'll win the league. Fair enough. Well, listen, folks, that's going to do it for this first episode of Team Talk. Ashin, thank you so much for jumping on and doing this. No, well, thanks for having me. I was really excited about it. And it's sort of good to get the Spurs out there and keep pushing on. Yeah, no, listen, we're, we're, we're very happy to have you on. Folks, you can follow us, um, as per usual, on all of our socials, Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok. We have created a TikTok account at Bottom Bins Pod. Same on Twitter, same on Instagram. As always, you can find us on the Parlay Sports app. That's P-R-L-Y Sports app on the App Store. Come in, have a footballing conversation with us. Oshin, I'm trying to get you to download that app so you can come on and do a few Spurs parlays with us as well. Oh, yeah, definitely and that'll do it for this week folks once again listen out we have our new um our new premier league episode is currently out on spotify as well we're gonna have our regular uploads on a wednesday and a friday so thank you so much um for listening folks and thank you for all the support and as always keep it bottom bins <laughs>